23. Jeremiah writes, I beheld the earth, and lo, it was without form and void, and the heavens, and they had no light. They will use this, but rich, look at this. This means chaos and destruction. The question is, when we read scripture, we read it in its what? Context. What's the context of Jeremiah here? I don't know if you know. Destruction of Jerusalem. The context has nothing to do with Genesis. The context here is Jeremiah is looking at Jerusalem, or the future Jerusalem, and it is destroyed by the Babylonians. The Babylonians came in here and destroyed the temple, they destroyed the houses, they tore down the wall, they burned the city. That's why there's no light in Jerusalem, because there's so much fire and smoke. There's no light in Jerusalem. And guess what happened to all the people in Jerusalem? They were either killed or fled, or they were taken captive, and also the animals fled. Was Jerusalem destroyed and without form? You better believe it. Was it void without inhabitants? You better believe it. You've got to read everything in its what? Context. They take it out of context and they make a mess with their theology. So we take a look at this. Gap theory. Satan was not made before Genesis 1.1. So if Satan was not made before Genesis 1.1, that completely destroys the gap theory. The gap theory has just been destroyed here. He's made sometime out here. Then, the fall of Satan. The fall of Satan didn't happen before Genesis or in this gap. The fall of Satan is leading back here, by the way. That's in Scripture. First destruction of the earth. There is no scientific evidence of this, and there's no evidence in Scripture of this destruction. The flood did a good job destroying the earth, and that's where we find the dinosaurs. All the, There's no gap. The dinosaurs were made on day six. We will talk about that this week. So we find all these dinosaur fossils. Why do we find all these dinosaur fossils? How did they get there? Yes? Uh, that, in order for something to be fossilized, it has to be very quickly so that the sediments in the earth can't preserve the bones. If something just dies on the surface, it's going to rot away in the sun and weather. So the only reason why we find fossils is because of the flood, because the flood buried all the dinosaurs very quickly in sediments. Excellent. I couldn't say that any better. <laughs> Wonderful job. Alrighty. Have you been to a creation seminar before? <laughs> Have you been to a creation seminar before? I have not. Oh, good. You must read a lot of books or something or watch DVDs, but that is excellent. Yes. Destruction. You find billions of, bar- of dead things buried in rock layers laid down by water all over the... That speaks out flood. I mean, a lot of water because some of these creatures are big. And there's no pre-edemic race. Humans were made on day six. Missing links. There's no such thing as a missing link. And that's why they call them missing link because they're... Missing. Their missing links are being refuted all the time. That's why they always got to come up with new missing links because their old missing links are being rejected. Yes. So the dinosaurs and all these other creatures were buried in the flood, which happened back, back here. So now we've just destroyed the gap theory. There's no gap, biblically speaking or scientifically speaking. Yeah. And death comes here. Death can't be here. Death comes after Adam. Yes. And then they, in the King James Version, they got replenished. Now, some people said, well, they replenished the earth, or means refill. It means refill today, but in the Hebrew, it basically means to fill. Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. Yes. Now we're going to take a look at long-age scenarios like theistic evolution, progressive creation. This is what I used to be. Actually, the three main speakers in Alpha Omega Institute at one time were all evolutionists. David, Mary, Joe Nutting, the founders of Alpha Omega Institute and directors today, they were theistic evolutionists until they started studying science in the Bible. 
And then we have another one, Lanny Johnson. He was an atheist until he went to an Alpha Omega Institute seminar. And I used to be a theistic evolutionist. And then I start studying true science, you might say, and, and the Bible. And I became a literal creationist, all by studying true science. But going with progressive creation, they would say 13 to 14 billion years ago, there was a huge big bang. That big bang started everything, and then it began to cool and form stars and galaxies, and some of the stars exploded, produced more dust and gas, and then the earth formed, and then over millions of years, you came to be. A lot of people say, God spoke, and bang, it happened. Is that what happened? When you read Genesis chapter 2 and chapter 1, do you see any evidence of a huge explosion, lots of noise, lots of heat given off? Now, do you know... God's creation was a, literally a cool creation. I mean, it was cool. Not cool because it's cool, but it's cool because it was literally low temperature. It wasn't a high energy explosion. See, Jesus Christ, he's the creator and maker of all things. Jesus Christ turned water into wine. When he turned water into wine, was there a huge explosion? Big flash of light, a lot of noise. Is that what happened? Just the water just boom, blew right on the pot? No. This is the same way he created in Genesis chapter 1. Nobody hardly even knew. The only people that really knew was the servants. Oh. And then Jesus Christ, he fed the four and 5,000 people. He had a few loaves and a few fish, and they got baskets full of food. And when he, you know, with a few loaves and food fish, they got baskets of food left over. That means he created bread from wheat that never existed. Fish that never spawned. He created something from absolutely nothing. Who's the only person that can take nothing and create something? God, Jesus Christ demonstrated he, that he was a creator and the people missed it. But when he created nothing into something, was there a huge explosion? Big flash of light, a lot of noise. The people didn't get it. It was a cool creation. This is how he created in Genesis chapter 1 and this is how he created when he was with us or with the people then. Now, there's a big problem with the, start, the Big Bang. The Big Bang is a big dud. It doesn't work. They know it doesn't work, but they don't want you to know it doesn't work. Yeah, major problems with the Big Bang. Here's a quote from Halton Arp in his book, Seeing Red. He's already debunked the Big Bang. Big Bang. Observational evidence has become overwhelming, and the Big Bang has in reality been toppled. It's already been disproven, but they don't want you to know it's been disproven. They don't, have a, they don't have anything else to put in its place, so guess what they're going to teach? Remember the king and the new clothes, the emperor's new clothes? Even though you know it's not true, you have to do what? You keep going until you can find something else to replace it. They don't have anything to replace it yet. You know, the same thing happened in the past. They had the steady state theory. They knew that didn't work, but they couldn't replace that until they found something to replace it, and then they came up with a big bang. And now they know that doesn't work. Major problems. When we take a look at creation and evolution, are there a lot of differences? Yeah, there's 70, at least 76 differences between evolution and creation. One is Earth before the sun and stars. Evolution, the sun and stars before the Earth. Then we go on. Oceans before land. In evolution, you have land before oceans. As we continue on, we have light before the sun. Well, in evolution, you have to have the sun before light. Plant, land plants' first life to be created in evolution is marine organisms' first life to evolve. Land plants before the sun. Here we have the sun before land plants. Marine mammals before land mammals. 
Because to get, to get marine mammals, you've got to get the fish on land, to change them into amphibians, to change them into reptiles, to change them into cows, so the cows can go back into the ocean and change into whales. Or they can get pigs or cats and dogs go back in the water. Because you can't get from fish to whales. It just doesn't work that way. Okay. And then they got land mammals before marine mammals. So, but here we had marine mammals before the land mammals. Birds before dinosaurs or reptiles. Birds are day five. Dinosaurs are day six. Reptiles or dinosaurs before birds. So are there a lot of differences? Can you compromise the two? No. If you do, you've got to change a lot of creation. Something's got to go. Now, Big Bang in the beginning. And that's what the evolution teaches. But that's not what the Bible teaches. Do you know the scientific description of the Big Bang is in Scripture? Did you know that? The scientific description is in, in Scripture 2,000 years before scientists ever came up with the Big Bang. Or philosophers, you might say. It's in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. When things explode, what do they usually make? A lot of noise. But the Big Bang, there was no atmosphere, so there wouldn't be any noise. But, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. That's the Big Bang. It was so hot that the elements actually melted into subatomical particles, just energy. This is a scientific description of the Big Bang. See, according to Scripture, the Big Bang hasn't happened. It's yet to come. And what is more scientific? Big Bang's making things or Big Bang's destroying things? Destroying things. You know the Bible is far more scientific than evolutionary philosophy? Far more scientific. There's no science in evolution. There's just philosophical belief systems. See, the bottom line is this. Where are you going to spend eternity? Do you know everybody's going to live forever? Everybody? Both believers and non-believers? Everybody lives forever. But there are two places where people will live. Well, actually, there's one place, but there's two places where different people will live. One is in the smoking section, the other one's in the non-smoking section. (laughs) Now, which section are you going to? I hope it's non-smoking. Yes. You can tell I'm a non-smoker, but that's okay. All right. Yeah. Everybody lives forever. Where are you going to spend eternity? That's the bottom line here. I hope you know. If you have doubts about your salvation, I would ask, advise to ask one of the pastors, ask a Christian, you want to know before you die where you're supposed to spend eternity. John tells us, if you're saved, you should know it. If you have doubts about your salvation, my advice is to ask, ask a believer to be sure. Now, if God used the evolution to create, then God becomes the author of death and not Adam. He becomes a sadistic ogre. Yes. That means God is the originator of death and bloodshed, not Adam's sin. What does that tell us about God if God's the originator of death and bloodshed and struggle and survival of the fittest? All the weaklings, what do they get? If you're weak, you get eliminated. That's Nazi Germany. That's the God of Nazi Germany. Survival of the fittest. How can a loving God allow evil to abound? Haven't you heard that? How, if God is a God of love, how can all this evil happen? Well, that's not... Who brought evil into the world? Who brought death and bloodshed into the world? Who brought sin into the world? Men? Adam did. He's the author of death and bloodshed, not God. You know what God's going to do? He's going to redeem us out of this present evil world. That's what He's going to do. He doesn't want us to have second best, does He? This, he calls this world just evil. He's got a better place for Christians. 
He wants the best for us, and it's coming. We just got to live through this so we, other people tell other people so they can know, so they can go to this better place. God wants the best. And everything He does is right, and everything He does is very good. So if you add evolution to the Bible, you change God's character. Increase in evil brings an increase in suffering, increase in holiness, decrease of suffering. Nazi Germany, when they, as they turned away from God, they got deeper into evil, what happened to the suffering content? You better believe it. Christians go to foreign lands, they build hospitals and schools, what happens to the suffering content? Goes down. I find that interesting. This is God here. This is Satan's kingdom there. Who cares about how old the earth is? Well, the credibility of the book of Genesis is at stake. If Genesis doesn't say what it means or means what it says, then what does Genesis say? You can make it mean anything you want. That's why they got day-age theory, progressive creation, and the gap theory, because they reject Genesis to be literally true. But if you take Genesis to be literally true, you can't make a lot of mistakes. So the credibility of the book is at stake... Because if it's not a few thousand years old and the earth wasn't, or the whole universe wasn't made in six days, why believe Genesis? The credibility of Jesus is at stake. Jesus cited Genesis to be true 25 times in the New Testament. So if Genesis is not true history, that means Jesus doesn't know what he's talking about. Then can he be God if he doesn't know what he's talking about? God doesn't make mistakes, does he? No. Nearly every other book of the Bible refers to Genesis 200 times in the New Testament. The New Testament writers all talk about Genesis to be true history. If Genesis isn't true history, that means that Paul doesn't know what he's talking about. Peter doesn't know what he's talking about. Why listen to these people if they don't know what they're talking about? If they're wrong, wrong in Genesis, they're probably wrong in other matters. The evolutionists care, the theory of evolution would not be believable without what? Billions of years. If the earth is only 6,000 years old, would anybody believe in evolution? We know scientifically that evolution doesn't happen. We've never observed it. What becomes the magic wand for evolution? How do you get the impossible seem possible? What's the magic wand? Time! Haven't you heard, given enough time, anything can happen? You know that is scientifically false. Given enough time, what sets in? Hair falls out, knees go bad. Given enough time, entropy sets in. You're all familiar with the law of entropy? It's a law of disorder. Over time, where does things go? Into disorder. The more time you give evolution, the more impossible, more impossible it becomes. In reality, according to science. But people don't believe that a princess would catch a frog and turn into a handsome prince, would they? But given billions of years, can that frog, according to evolution, turn into a handsome prince? <laughs> That's what I was taught in college. It's the same thing. Yeah. Actually, a princess kissing a frog and turning into a handsome prince is more scientific than the billions of years taken, or millions of years for a frog. You know why? This is a little bit off, a, off of rabbit's trail here, but you know why? With intelligence, can you take a frog and change it into a human being if you had enough intelligence and power? Yes. If you have enough intelligence and power, can you take the dust of the earth and change it into a human being? Yes. How many of you read Genesis chapter 2? What does God do with the mud of the earth? He changes it into a... Human being. For all those kids that play, made mud pies, I mean, they're just imitating God. <laughs> it's interesting. With enough intelligence, enough power, you can take the dust or the elements of the earth and make a human being. God did it. But what does it take? Intelligence and power. Does God have that? He does. 
With evolution, there's no intelligence and there's no power. So reinterpreting. With a, they're reinterpreting Genesis that it wasn't a worldwide flood. It was just a local flood. Boy, if you make it into a local flood, you know what happens? God becomes a liar. He breaks his promises. Did not God promise that he would never bring a flood on the earth again? Did he not promise that? Well, if local flood, if he promised not to bring a local flood on the earth again, as he said in Genesis, do, are we having local floods today? Yes. Do they destroy property and land? Yes. Do they kill things and kill people? God made a promise that he would not do this again with a local flood. That means God is a liar if Genesis is a local flood. If God breaks his promises about the flood, what about salvation? Maybe you're not saved. Maybe he'll break your promise. The Bible says if you believe in Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. But maybe you're not. Because if he breaks one promise, will he not break another promise? So we don't know for sure we're going to heaven. Is, Is this serious stuff? It is. But if God made a promise that he would never bring a worldwide flood on the earth again, does that promise hold? Will he ever bring another worldwide flood on the earth again? No. He does not break his promises. If you trust Christ as your Savior, you will be saved. And you will be with him in heaven. That is a promise. And he doesn't break his promises. That's one of the biggest problems with the theistic evolutionary philosophy is local flood. That means God breaks his promises. Have you changed the character of God by adding in evolution to Scripture? You do. You change the character of God. Now... Evolution teaches, and all these compromising with evolution, all these you know, compromising theories, always put man, in, man at the end. But according to Scripture, man was made in the beginning. Who knows more about when man was made or created than anybody? Who is the expert? Jesus Christ? Is he not the expert? Does he not know when he made man? Let's go to the words of Jesus Christ. He's not a liar. He will tell us when he made man. We'll go to Jesus Christ. In Mark chapter 10... The context here is the Pharisees are trying to trick Jesus about divorce. Here's my paraphrase. Jesus says, if you want to understand divorce, you have to understand marriage. And if you want to understand marriage, you have to go to the foundation of marriage. And when was the first marriage? Genesis chapter 2. And he goes through. But from the beginning of the creation, where did Jesus Christ get that information? That's a quote from Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created. And we go on. And God made them male and female. Where did Jesus Christ get this information? It's a quote from Genesis 1.27. Male and female created he them. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on. Then he goes on and says, Man shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Where does Jesus Christ get that? Genesis 2.24. Man shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Jesus Christ quotes Genesis 2.24, connects it to Genesis 1.27, and he connects that all to Genesis 1.1. In the beginning. When did he create man? In the beginning. This is the words of the Creator. Does He know what He's talking about? Can He communicate with us? Clearly. We have the problem. Children don't have the problem. They understand this, they understand this very clearly. I don't have problem children, children. They understand science and creation. That's no problem. It's the older people I have problems with. He also reemphasizes himself here in Luke that the blood of the prophets which was shed from the foundation of the earth. Foundation of the earth is day three. That's when He made land. Day three of creation may be required of this generation. From the blood of Abel, when was Abel? He's close to the foundation of, of the world, which is of day three, until the blood of Zacharias. Was man there in the beginning? 
Yeah, he states it again. He didn't get it one time, he got it another time here. So according to the words, according to evolution, man came about the end. According to the gap theory and day-age theory and progressive creation, man came at the end. But according to the words of Jesus Christ, when did he create man? In the beginning. Okay, now you're in a dilemma. You can believe the words of man or you can believe the words of Jesus Christ. If evolution is true, that means Jesus Christ is a liar. He is not God. He died on the cross and he didn't pay for anybody's sin and we are all going to hell. Because Jesus Christ isn't the Messiah. He's a liar. He's got a liar. But if Jesus Christ is telling the truth, what do we do with this? If Jesus Christ said, I created man in the beginning, just a few days after Genesis 1-1, what do we have to do with evolution? It has to be what? Reject it. Because it is not true. Who's the father of all lies? Say, do you know I can trace Genesis, I can create, I can trace evolution back to Satan. He's the author of evolution. I can trace billions of years back to Satan in Scripture. Similar characteristics, homology. You know I can trace that one all. That's used for evolution. I can trace it back to Satan. We're getting better. I can trace that back to Satan. Every concept of evolution, the main foundational concept, I can trace back to Satan in Genesis and throughout Scripture. Isn't that interesting? Because who's the father of all lies? Satan is. Science knows nothing on billions of years. Did you know that? Science doesn't. Science actually refutes billions of years. Dinosaurs are some of our best evidence to reject billions of years or millions of years. Dinosaurs are no friend to evolution. None at all. Neither are the fossils. Neither are radiometric dating methods. Neither are carbon-14 dating methods. These are all no friend to evolution. If you really understand it scientifically. That means there's no evidence for evolution. So who's the author of the lies? The Bible says, Jesus Christ says, Satan is the father of all lies. John 5, For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me, for he wrote of me. What books did Moses write? The first five books, starting with Genesis. Moses talks about Jesus right in Genesis chapter, well, Genesis runs through Genesis. But if ye believe not his writings, how shall ye believe my words? If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? We go on. Psalms 1 1. Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the godly. Are there a lot of Christians walking in the counsel of ungodly people? You better believe there is. Vast majority walk. In that. Once you start walking with the ungodly and their counsel, the next step is to stand in the way of the sinners. And if you stand in the way of sinners, you know what the next step is? Sitteth in the seat of the scornful. My greatest opposition to what I teach is not out there. Did you know that? My greatest opposition is not outside the church. You know where my greatest opposition is to what I teach? It's in the church. That's my greatest opposition. Because what has happened? Before, many people have fallen for the ungodly philosophy of evolution. Once you fall for that, you just go right down the path. Where should our delight be? But his delight is in the law of the Lord. Should our delight be in his word? I hope so. I hope it's, his word is our delight. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean on the 
on thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thy own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. If you want to have understanding, you want to have knowledge, if you want to have wisdom, what's the beginning of all this? The beginning of this is the fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. And they discovered that the earlier scientists, like these coming out, of the, coming out of the dark ages, they got back to the word of God to be true, they got back to the fear of the Lord, and you look at these scientists, some of the greatest scientists that ever lived were creationists. Did you know that? Isaac Newton and all these because they got back to God as a God of order. If God is a God of order, His creation is a God of order. That's Romans one twenty. And if creation is a God of order, that means there has to be law, laws in nature. They went out to find these laws. They found these laws. And we can have the modern age, scientific age bloomed. Isn't that interesting? Getting back to God's Word is where we get knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. We've got just a few minutes here left. Is there any questions? No questions. But if you do have questions, I'll be out in the book table. I'm going to be around this week, especially in the evening. So we have books for sale. If you have questions, just let me know. I'll surely be glad to talk to you about that. Or if you have questions about other things. Now we have to remember is, uh, you're not here for me. I'm here for you. I am your servant. So if you have doubts or questions, I'm here to serve you. So... Thank you very much. I'll turn it over to Pastor Mark.